Live from Spain, this is The Drive Home with Harry Waters. Hello everybody and welcome. We are coming at you live from Spain for the first time in 2022. Um, my dog has in fact just walked into the room. She will be joining us, I imagine, throughout uh, the show today. So, how is everybody? How are you all? I hope you're well. Um, I was about 37 seconds late coming on there as I was just putting some finishing touches uh, to a, a PowerPoint for a talk that I will be doing in the not-so-distant future. Um, more will be announced about that very soon. Um, but what's new with you in 2022? Well, that rhymed a bit too well. It's almost as if I'd planned it. Um, I hadn't. Um, it just came to me. I'm a natural poet. That's all I can say. Um, so what is new with you? What's going down? What's happening? Um, we um, are talking all about New Year's resolutions today, mostly for in the classroom, uh, but also for your everyday life as it uh, as it were so what are your new year's resolutions for 2022 do you have any new year's resolutions for 2022 um are they classroom based are they outside of the classroom based are they student focused are they teacher focused i would love to know um just what you've got planned in store perhaps you're not one uh, for doing New Year's resolutions. Perhaps that's not really your thing. Perhaps you're more of a New Day resolution. But please do let me know, what are your New Year's resolutions this year, um, both in and outside the classrooms? I am personally, now it might seem funny that I'm doing a show all about New Year's resolutions. I think the arbitrary turn of uh, of the calendar is something that, I don't know if it's, essential to govern ourselves by um i mean it's the way tax goes here in spain so it's something to govern ourselves by that's for sure um but what leads people to making these decisions and do you put so much pressure on yourself because they're a new year's resolution or is it the kind of other way around of oh it's just a new year's resolution i have one of these every year and i managed to give it up by the the 5th of january anyway so there's no pressure to do anything here so what do you think? Um, what are your New Year's resolutions? Now, I, I put out a few posts across various social media. I didn't attack Instagram, actually, but I did go on um, on Twitter and Facebook. I got some quite fantastic responses, and I got some wonderful responses from the Pearson and BBC Live Classes um, group that I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a member of and a part of, and a trainer for, in fact, um, where I... I get to connect with thousands of teachers across the globe on a on a weekly, well, on a monthly basis, but I, I, I join in with the Facebook group on a probably on a daily basis, to be honest. So I'm gonna have a look. Um, I'm gonna have a look at the different suggestions that other people have had. Perhaps they're not all the traditional ones. You know, we always have the, the same old resolutions and I was watching something about it the other day, you know, the, I need to give up smoking. I need to be more organized, um, lose weight, do more exercise. These kind of generic goals, these generic resolutions that are so easy to fall behind with and, well, just give up on basically that 
I don't know if they're the best idea to be making. I, I like to make goals, but I do that on a monthly uh, basis anyway. I have short-term, medium and long-term goals. Um, but I have set myself a few goals for this year. Feel free um, to call in and share your share your New Year's resolutions, share your ideas with us. I'm, I'm going to have a, a quick flick over to um, over to Facebook and have a look at some of the different ideas that people came up with. Um, a lot of people said, uh, I don't actually make New Year's resolutions. I just do it in my first class of the year because it's a great way to, to start the year. Fair enough. I mean, I'm, I'm down with that. I'm, that's kind of the, the vibe I, uh, I feel as well. I always, I always go into my classes and make sure that we, we do talk about New Year's resolutions because there are some, some really good, um, there's some great language that comes from that when we're doing that. And, uh, we do really get down to see what people want to, to change within themselves. Now, one wonderful thing that somebody said on here is, I don't like to do negative resolutions. I like to do positive ones. So I don't want to go out there and say, um, here we go. I don't want to say I won't smoke. You know, it's more of a I will do something. You know, it's not about giving up. It's about starting something and trying something different. So rather than I will lose weight, it's a, I will do exercise, that kind of thing. Um, so that was one of the, one of my, my favorite ideas, to be honest, that, that came from it. And there were all sorts of other ideas that came in there. One from, <clears throat> please excuse me. Um, one that came in from, from Ritik, he's, uh, Ritik, uh, Kawasara. He's a, a teacher from India and I've, I've known him now for oof, probably about a year. Um, he, he was somebody I met through the Pearson and BBC Live classes and have been lucky enough to connect with him on a number of occasions since that, um, since we met there. And, and we've talked a lot about various different resolutions and such. Um, and we talk all about, he's, a, he's another climate fanatic, which is something that's great for me. And it's something that has really, you know, focused me with, with New Year's resolutions that Perhaps they're not for me, but for other people, there are some very simple, easy changes that can be made. Um, very small steps we can all take to to kind of try and fight the climate crisis. And these are some of the things I've been talking about with Ritik, to be honest, in uh, in various Facebook groups in in recent recent days. Um, what would you say is is your favourite? Um, New Year's resolution. Do you always fail with a New Year's resolution? Do you try a new one every year? I'm going to stop saying resolution now because the word is beginning to lose all of its meaning. Um, one person here, uh, Louise, who was actually a guest a few weeks back, says that she doesn't make resolutions um, in January. She she does them instead in September because that's the real start of the year. How does uh, How does that resonate with you? Are you more of a September resolutioner or more of a January resolutioner. Um, here's one I think we can all we can all do. Carol said that she thinks she's going to take her time back from social media scrolling. Um, I I wish I wish it sometimes troubles me that so much of my work is based online and so much of my work is 
through social media because I kind of lose, I get a blurred line between when I'm working and when I'm just mindlessly scrolling through endless content. Um, but what do you think? Um, let's have a look at some more of these in here. Um, Anna, who's another superstar from uh, the Pearson and BBC Live classes, um, she wants to read more books by Sue Monk Kidd. The last one was The Book of Longings, and it was an extremely involving experience. And she wants to do more jo jogging or other sports. Consistency. Uh, Beatrice says consistency. Uh, is that something you hope to be more consistent or to always? Uh, I, I consistently give up on my New Year's resolutions, so I think that's why I stopped making them. Um, I've, I've not really ever had a vice of, of smoking or drinking or anything like that. So it was, it was really difficult to find something to give up like that. Um, but yeah, I think mindlessly scrolling is a good one to, to kind of avoid. Um, some people have mentioned new people to follow. Now, I think attainable, achievable New Year's resolutions are the best ones. As I mentioned uh, a, a little bit earlier, I was watching a a newsreel a newsreel did i just say that out loud how old am i like 97 i was watching a video the other day um all about new year's resolutions and it said that um 46 of americans make new year's resolutions and 60 percent of those claim to at least keep or stay somewhere near keeping them so about 20 percent of the population stick to their new year's resolutions um, and those are usually the realistic resolutions um, not the whole sudden life change everything's going to go upside down you know i'm going to exercise for an hour every day i'm going to give up drinking i'm going to be organized there's a good one isn't it be organized how you know that's not something you just turn on on january the first I'm, I'm now i'm organized okay i've done it i've achieved that goal uh, there are steps you need to take it, obviously. Um, but yeah, following certain people can really help. Look for those people who can enrich your your life, can enrich what you're what you're up to, what you're following, and what you're doing. So if you do want to become more um, organized, perhaps look for certain people to who are good at organizing, and you can use their their content, their videos. Um. Yeah, find your goal, stick to it, um, and aim. Start small, maybe aim big, but start small. Set out your goals on a, you know, maybe you do want to lose weight, but look at how much weight you want to lose and how you want to do it. Maybe it's not all about signing up to the gym. Um, gyms make most of their money from ghost memberships. You know, from about now, when people all sign up to the gym and they go for a month, and then suddenly they realize in February that they don't actually have any more time. Now, I understand that most people in the UK are now actually back at work, back teaching again. Um, we're not here in Spain just yet. We have until the 10th because tomorrow is the epiphany. Now, I think my New Year's resolution next year is to have less Christmas. And I might sound like a Scrooge there, but um, it's just, it goes on forever. Um, you know, you, you start on Christmas Eve and we basically end on the, the evening of tomorrow. So the evening of 12th night. So we have 12... The, the 12 days of Christmas uh, and my true love has not given me even a partridge in a pear tree to be honest I'm still waiting um I don't even have a pear tree I don't even like pears I'll be perfectly honest 
my New Year's resolution is to eat even fewer pears than I did last year. So if I eat less than one, that will be good. Um, Ritik, as I mentioned earlier, he's, he's made five New Year's resolutions. One of them is to write in his diary regularly. Do any of you keep a diary? Um, what do you write about in your diary? Do you keep a gratitude diary? Do you um, write your ideas down in haiku, like uh, the word guerrilla, who was one of our guests a few months back? Uh, start learning Croatian, says Ritik, a very difficult language. Um, more time to writing articles. One of my ideas is I need to write more blogs. I've got one in the pipeline. It's all about finding time to do it. Um, finding time would be a good one, wouldn't it? Um, I will make more effort to involve my students in climate action activities. That is fantastic news. And as uh, as I mentioned, Ritik is going to be one of the the people on my pilot course all about creating a greener mindset in our students. So Ritik will be joining there. Um, and that's going to be fantastic. And I will always think positively. Very difficult in some uh, aspects. Now, Dan Shepard, who is um, another live classes trainer and an absolute legend. He's also um, the co-founder of Hubbub Labs. He wants to. Now, I love the way he starts. Drink more tea climb more mountains and finish my mountain guide qualification. So he's got some very specific set goals there, but also easy to achieve. I mean, I could easily drink more tea. I think I had about 20 cups last year. Um, other people looking for new strategy, strategies to be creative in their jobs. Um, so there are all sorts of different resolutions that have come out from, from these different people. One thing I really love is I have a word of the year. Uh, ben Crompton said, uh, I have a word of the year. Um, I think about things I want more of, less of, and what I want to achieve, then I pick a word, kind of like a mini motto. Last year's was growth, and this year was onwards. Um, so... I like the idea of having a mini kind of thing. Obviously, um, it's not necessarily teaching uh, related, um, but it is a kind of a focus on what you're going to do um, and where you're going to take your ideas. So as I've mentioned, please do feel free to call in with any of your your own New Year's resolutions. Um, Simon has mentioned that he has a truckload of New Year's resolutions. They're very focused, but he wasn't willing to share any of them, uh, which was nice. Uh, he was one of our first, one of my first guests, actually, one of the, um, one of the first four, I think I had on. He might be my third or my fourth. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, he's made a whole bunch of resolutions. A whole, a whole host of them. Um, Laura Jane Williams said that she usually um, makes them, but this year she's finding it hard to come up with some New Year's resolutions. Um, Paula mentioned that her New Year's resolution was to make her classes more engaging and started experimenting with a flipped classroom approach. And she's been doing it ever since. This year her resolution is to become more personal in the classroom. 
So what would you do to become more personal? I think I find, I, I find my teaching to be a kind of very personal style of teaching, which has become really difficult in the last year or so, because most of my classes now, now not only are they online, which is, you know, not a reason to not be personal, obviously, but they're online with changing classes. So, you know, one day I'll have uh, classes from India, Thailand, Brazil, Vietnam, uh, Poland, Croatia in the same class. And the next day it will be Turkey, Italy, the Czech Republic, uh, Lithuania and Indonesia. You know, it, it changes on a, it changes on a daily basis to be honest. It changes throughout the day, but I do also have my, my set classes. I have my three set classes who I see week in, week out without fail. Um, so I like to develop a much more personal approach with that. Um, what do you do to make your classes more personal? I know I've had a lot of, um, you know, I've done a lot of training sessions talking about this, personalizing your classes. Um, and one thing a lot of people say is, oh, I've just got so many students. I, you know, I don't, I don't I find it really hard to to know their names. Um, so by the end of the first month, I'm still struggling sometimes. Now, I do have a good memory, so I'm lucky with that. But I think of all the things, knowing students' names is the absolute fundamental first thing you should be doing in your classes. I'm not saying you should have them all down by the first day. Um, when I was teaching in a, in a school a couple of years back, I had 14 different classes, each one with between 26 and 30 students. So, you know, you can imagine how difficult it is to to learn, you know, 400 different names. But it's not impossible. Um, it's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. It's, it is, in fact, you know, it's a challenge. But within a month, it, it wasn't particularly, particularly difficult. So there are all sorts of things, but for me, the first one is names. Ah, well, it was Ben. It was Ben who went on his growth journey um, last year. I, in fact, did have. I'll be honest, my journey was a bit of a growth journey um, as well. It wasn't that I'd planned to set out to do it in the start of last year. So I, I actually went freelance at the start of last year. Um, I left the. Um, the individual, um, the private classroom behind, I've developed my own kind of classroom. I've been developing with Renewable English as well. Um, and what I decided was I wanted to um, be able to get my my climate um, ideas um, into the, the the ESL classroom. I wanted to make sure that people had the opportunity to learn about the climate crisis uh, while they were still learning about English. Um, and from that, I've, I have had so much that I've had to learn along the way. And uh, I think for me, it was a great thing um, a few years back learning that you didn't have to know everything, but it, it was a great way of um, preparing yourself for all sorts of new things, knowing that you don't know everything. Now, as a teacher, it was somewhat difficult to come to terms with, you know, that I didn't suddenly know everything when you know, beforehand, you know, you're looked at and people think of you as this font of all knowledge. 
Um, so I, I went into it very blind, to be honest, but I've been very lucky to have some wonderful people to support me and guide me along the way and, and help me with ideas. Um, and I believe that now uh, in 2022, I'm a considerably better teacher, um, particularly in uh, not just sustainability and um, the climate crisis and these kind of things, but also with inclusion um, and diversity and equity in the classroom. I think that these are things that I've taken on, upon myself to learn and to grow with. Um, and I think that CPD, um, this professional development, is something we all really need to to work on ourselves. Now, whether you set it as a New Year's resolution or just as a, a personal goal to improve yourself, I think making sure you are improving, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a learner, is something that's super important. And this idea that you don't know everything. Um, as I mentioned, I set out on a, on a quest this year to to be able to spread the the word about climate change into as many classrooms as possible. I feel I did okay last year. Uh, Renewable English is still growing um, and we are still improving and we're doing other things, but our core remains that we believe that everybody in the world deserves access to education um, and everybody should be given fair information about the climate crisis and given the tools um, so they can help fight them. So our classes remain completely free. Um, there are live classes every other Thursday. We'll actually be back on the 14th of, uh, sorry, on the 13th of um, January with our live classes again. We've also started a brand new course that's coming out in uh, February, at the start of February, to help our students create, creating a greener mindset, it's called and it's helping our students um, develop an awareness about the climate crisis, about the planet, um, and moving from knowing nothing to becoming activists in their own way. Now, I don't mean necessarily going out on strikes and stomping their feet. You can be an activist in so many different ways, just as long as you're active. Um, you know, you can be an inventor doing these different things. You can um you can be a content creator and with social media there are so many things you can do to be an activist to be active in that um so i've what i've made sure i've done along my journey is note down everything that's that's come along the way um, and be grateful i think um that's the the real key surrounding yourselves with uh what bhavana uh bhavana gupta who was a, a guest on the show as well um a couple of months back surrounding yourself with marigolds people who will lift you up people who will help you people who believe in you now not only in your professional life but also in your personal life um, and i've made sure that i've i've kept in touch with these people along the way um i i continually thank them and i try and give back to them as much as they have given to me um, so I believe that I am still growing. I am still improving, but I still have so much that I need to do. Um, I don't really know how to get the most out of um, social media. In fact, I joined TikTok the other day. Um, I don't know why, but I did. In fact, I do know why. Um, <laughs> I want to use it as a place to, to get my ideas out of websites that people can visit um, to help them with teaching the climate crisis but also to um, 
do some vocabulary videos and I wanted to push myself. I wanted to get out of my comfort zone and continue to push myself with these different ideas um, along the way and, and help myself improve in that way. So we're going to come back after the news in about six minutes and we will be talking more about our um, New Year's resolutions. Please do feel free to call in if you'd like to share a New Year's resolution with us or just engage in the chat as well. Um, so we're going to pop off to the music. We'll be back in about six minutes. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Colin's Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Teachers Talk Radio is delighted to support Winston's Wish, the UK's childhood bereavement charity. Winston's Wish supports children and their families after the death of a parent or sibling. They provide emotional and practical bereavement support. Expert teams also provide online resources, specialist publications and training for professionals. Find out more about Winston's Wish and pledge your support at www.winstonswish.org. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A variety of mitigations are in place in schools across the UK as fears of COVID remain high. In England, secondary pupils will have to wear face coverings in classrooms, as well as communal areas but staff will not be expected to wear a mask while teaching. Education Secretary Nadim Sahawi is taking advice in case of mass staff absence. Schools in England are also required to keep hygiene and ventilation measures in place. In Wales, all staff and pupils have been expected to wear a mask indoors in secondary schools since the end of November. The start of the new term has also been delayed until the 10th of January to give schools time to prepare and secondary pupils will be expected to take a lateral flow test three times a week. The Welsh Government has also lowered the self-isolation period from 10 to 7 days if the person has a negative test on the 7th day. In Scotland, pupils and staff have been required to wear face coverings in secondary schools since the second lockdown. Staggered start times, one-way systems, restrictions on assemblies and twice-weekly testing are also present in schools in Scotland. People in Scotland must isolate for 10 days when they or someone in their household tests positive for COVID. In Northern Ireland, children must remain at home if they develop symptoms until they have a negative result. Pupils must also test twice a week. Staff and secondary school pupils must also wear a mask 
while on site. This has been your daily education news briefing with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Happy New Year! This is the first in a short series on the New Year's resolution a lot of us make and the effect tech can have on it. Can technology really help us get fit and healthy? According to the Fitness Industry Association, around 80% of people who sign up to a gym in January stop going in February. Can technology provide a free alternative? Now before I start, I need to throw down a disclaimer here. I am assuming you already have a mobile device that is capable of running apps, therefore the cost of the device is written off, and I take no responsibility for any pain, both physical and or mental that you will inflict on yourself. You are responsible for your own scaling and moderation. That being said, there are thousands of free fitness apps out there. The first barrier for teachers is time. School Week have reported one in four teachers working over 60 hours a week, so in a 12-hour day, where do you fit a workout in? If the gym's out of the question, what are the other alternatives that are time flexible? Let's start with some totally free options. YouTube is full of fitness videos and challenges from sit-ups and press-ups to squats and chin-ups. A more extreme example is Athlean X. This channel is dedicated to workouts with pro trainer Jeff Cavalier. Some claiming to make a difference in just seven minutes a day. This may seem crazy, but seven minutes is a lot more than nothing and adds up to more than three quarters of an hour per week. If you're more of a social media motivated person, how about one of the many fitness tracking apps for walking, running or cycling? Most have a free basic package and in-app purchases for additional features. If I use Strava as an example, a free basic package allows you to track your exercise, join friends, set challenges and meet people around the globe with similar interests. My only word of warning would be to ensure you consider your profile settings to keep yourself safe. Hiding the start and end of a walk, run or ride, for example, will stop your home being shown on a map. For most people pushed to time, this will be where you start and end your exercise. Also, if you exercise regularly at the same time, this could be showing the world where you're likely to be or when your house is empty. For those who want to start softly and just be a bit more active, a less intensive option may be having a step counting app. Again, there are lots of different apps out there. My example is Sweatcoin, a free app that allows you to earn Sweatcoins, a form of digital currency that can be traded in the Sweatcoin store for discount codes, vouchers, and even given to good causes. This is a simple app and can run in the background, so you don't even need to remember to switch it on. Finally, calorie counter apps are a great way to look at what is actually going on in your body in the first place. On apps like MyFitnessPal, you can log your weight, calorie consumption, calorie output, and also have the ability to sync this with other fitness apps, so you don't need to log your exercise twice. As long as you're honest and log all of those glasses of Prosecco, not just the first, you're rewarded with detailed feedback on not only your calorie intake and output, but where those calories came from. Whatever you choose to do for the new you in the new year, why not do a bit of looking around and see what you can pick up for free first? I'll leave you with one of my favourite sayings, anyone can do nothing. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2021 Twitter feed. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. There we go. I really liked that that last phrase he said there. Anyone can do nothing, um, and it is true. Uh, anyone can do nothing, but not everyone can do something. Um, so getting fit—that's one big thing that we heard about there. Do you ever try and get fit in the new year, and do you use technology to do so? I think it's something that I realised no amount of technology would ever make me do it. It had to come from within myself. Um, so I wasn't, I personally wasn't motivated in that way, but, uh, I know that a lot of people are, and it can be a fantastic way to kind of get you out there. 
Um, so some some other interesting ones. Now, one that I loved, an idea that I really, really, really loved um, about a teacher's New Year resolution, and I love the idea of it and the the sentiment behind it to go paperless. Um, how I don't know exactly how easy it is to to go paperless. Um, obviously, in schools that have high technological capabilities, it's an awful lot easier than in others. Um, but I also don't know if it's exactly the best idea to go paperless. Again, it's one of those things that happens that people they see it as being a great idea go paperless and it's just so bold um to go all out there a great thing to do is not use photocopies or you know there are even some people that will print a photo that will stick a printout into a book um like to glue it in so you're sticking paper onto a place where you could have written beforehand now i know in um in english language learning there is an awful lot of printouts you know they come from this book or from this website and i know you have a lot of these things firstly my my thing would be how many people are going to be in your classroom how many people are you going to have in your classroom that day i know people who will overprint just in case you know oh i'll just print an extra five just in case and then in the end they print out 35 and at the end of the day only 20 people even turn up that day um so they've already got an extra 15 and what do they do with them they shove them in a cupboard they shove them in a drawer now if you are doing that that's a great place to start by using that scrap paper within your classroom to do any other work now this doesn't really matter what age group you teach scrap paper should always be made available if you have it um, to use it so you can do all sorts of things with paper uh, you can make it you can have a day on paper airplanes and send messages across the classroom using paper airplanes using the scrap paper now I know you're not exactly going to a, a huge uh, depth using it again there and but people can keep their paper airplanes. They've now learned how to make a paper airplane and you can do it with so many different things. Um, I did it once in a, a history class uh, that I was covering um, and I got half the students to write an event and I got half of the students to write a date and they had to throw it around the classroom and they had to match up the different events and different dates on their paper airplane. Um, so they would throw them around and they, you know, when they would go around, they'd pick them up and they'd find who was the date for their uh, historical event. It's a great way of uh, learning dates, but you can also do it with different verbs. Um, if you're teaching English, you can do it with almost anything and paper aeroplanes are fun. You can then have who can throw their paper aeroplane the furthest competition. You can turn that into a maths class that, right there. Um, you can do so much with that little bit of paper. So going paperless, I don't know if that's the best idea entirely. Not for a school, for a business, absolutely. Do go paperless, you know, write things down on your notepad if you have to. But for a school, I think paper really has a great place because you can do so much with paper. You know, you can turn it into those 
uh, I don't know what they're called in English. They're called Come Gogos here, where you make it into a, a fortune teller, I think we used to call it. That witchcraft that used to go on at school. Um, so, yeah, that's one thing you can do with the paper. And as I say, next up, print the right amount. You know, perhaps see how many students are there at school that day. Um, don't bulk print for 10 different classes at once because that's the way you're going to go over with your prints. Uh, do specifically calculate exactly how many you need. Um, maybe print one extra, maybe two, um, just in case a kid isn't there or I don't know, something like that. Um, don't glue them into books and print on both sides. You can get them to get, they can put them into a folder. They can put them somewhere else and they can print. You can print always on both sides of the paper. There are so many ways of reducing paper at school, um, but going completely paperless, I'm not sure that is the best. Um, or even the most realistic. It's one of those things where you aim so big so soon when really what you have to do are take those baby steps along the way to get towards a paperless classroom. To just go paperless straight away is is awfully difficult. Um, Organising your classroom. Now, I think this depends so much on who you are as a teacher. I was... Not the most, but not the least organized teacher, but I didn't have my own classroom for a lot of the time. I would be touring around the school. So I had to have my my set class. Basically, it was like a utility belt. That was, I was basically Batman, but of teachers. Okay, I, I wasn't really. Um, that's a bit of an exaggeration. Um, I'm, I'm more like Hatman now, to be honest. Uh, if we're going to be perfectly honest about it. But yes, yeah, so I always had my, it was my rucksack. It wasn't actually my utility belt. I always had it ready. It was packed. I had the things. I had like my micro classroom there within my rucksack and it was there every day. Now I'd have to check that every day, but it was a smaller sort of sense that I had to look after. Now here in Spain, students spend the whole day in each classroom. They don't go around from teacher to teacher. Um, they stay in the classroom and the teachers go around to them. So each of the classes basically had a little wall for all of the different subjects. But the tutors would also have their own area that they could deal with. Um, so keeping that organised here, it seems, is a bit easier. But in the UK, how do you feel about your classrooms? Are they well organised or not? Um, what I did one year following the advice of the great uh, Chris Rowland. Um, so even if you're not an ELT practitioner, do check out Chris Rowland. He's absolutely incredible and some of his ideas are fantastic. One year he said to put another whiteboard in the classroom. And I just thought, okay, now I can write on two sides of the classroom. But having that space for students to write on, so one or even two more whiteboards in your classroom, just it's a great place for students to do their thinking, to do their planning. If you know, if you're going to write an essay, plan it on a whiteboard, get your ideas up there, get them visual, work together with your team. If you're planning a project, get it up on a whiteboard. It's not as much fun to do it sitting down in a notebook. It's 
it's way more fun to draw it up on the board. Um, and if your students are taking uh, their their phones to school anyway, they can take a picture of it. You know, it's something they can then have uh, something to be in their phone that they never look at ever again. Um, but you can, with that, go on to have a class blog and they can put them on the class blog as well. And then everything is taken care of. Um, your classroom is more organized. Um, you know that everyone's doing the work if you have that other whiteboard up. It's it's all there. It's a great thing to do. Um, talk to your institutions about it. Um, it's a great idea. It works obviously better. Um, I found actually with slightly smaller classes because that way everyone can get a turn of the board. But you, know, you can work it into uh, a larger class as well. Um, another one I saw is remember your passion for, te uh, for teaching. Um, and it feels a bit like something the government would say to try and make you just work harder. Um, and that obviously is what the government are hoping for some new resolutions of, of retired teachers to, to come back and lend a hand. Um, that might be nice. Um, but yeah. As a teacher, how often do you forget your passion for teaching? Um, people sometimes say we don't do it for the money. Well, we also should do it for the money. Money should be an important part of our of our job choosing position. But we don't only do it for that, obviously. There is also what our students get out of it. Um, and if you start to if you stop looking at that and look past that, then it's you know, if you forget that as well. It, it can really really lose a lot within yourself. So remembering your passion for teaching, how would I do that? I keep a lot of things that my old students have given me. I'm in touch with some of my students. Um, I talk to them uh, and remember what they used to be like, what they used to do in the class. Um, and I see what they do now. And, and I can see that in the 14 and a half years that I've been teaching, I've made a big difference to a lot of people. Um, and that reminder will easily help you remember, um, help you get a passion, uh, remember your passion for teaching. Um, here's a really interesting uh, idea that I saw to rethink your teaching style. Rethink your teaching style. Have, do you ever like observe yourself and think I need to change this? Um, do I want a more student-centered classroom? Um, would I be more of a guide or a leader? Like, what do they, what do they need? What, do, how should I approach the class? Um, my style of teaching has changed, obviously, throughout the years with the different things that I've learned, the things that I've adopted. But the fundamentals to my teaching have remained always exactly the same. It's very much about the students. Um, about getting to know the students and building a relationship with the students. That is is always the, the centerpiece of whatever class I'm teaching. Um, and we often forget that uh, and we get too lost in maybe methodology or we get too lost in, in, the, in the course and we forget to bring it back to those relationships. Um, what we're doing here is forming people. Um, we're, we're being an influence on somebody's life for a huge amount of time. It's 
it's all it's it's all day long we're with these students you know we're with them for longer than a lot of their their parents are as well so these relationships these bonds are absolutely vital to to all students not just you know your primary students it's very important especially for for teens as well to have somebody there they know that they can trust if you're listening to jane's uh show earlier on today you would have heard her speaking um, about that and with, with a coach of teenagers who talks um about empowering teens you know we're there to do that our teaching teaching should always focus on to our students and this relates directly in my opinion to the next one here that is to get to know students better um getting to know students better is surely it should be at the top of everybody's agenda it should be something that is the first thing on our mind um, and the last thing we do uh, before we leave it should be all about knowing our students better because when we know them we know how we can help them um, and how we can make things better for them as students and as humans as well so to building it, it builds that community in the classroom and that way if you know them better they'll be more willing to look out for each other um and they can see the connections they can make in life it's it's so important and not knowing your students really is for me fundamentally the if you don't know your students you're doing something wrong to be honest uh, i don't mean to to criticize but you need to know them it's not just about knowing the subject i don't think anybody can really debate that to be honest if you don't know your students you're you're not going to be able to teach them as as well um use more tech tools this is something that there's a very distinct generational gap in teachers i feel i've I've been teaching now, as I mentioned, for 15 years, and there has been a huge evolution in technology in the classroom. Like The, the smartphone basically um, came around in that time and is now readily available to absolutely everybody. Um, and if you are teaching teens, not using a smartphone for teaching is such a dramatic oversight that you're making. Um, Number one, you need to be able, in fact, here in Spain, um, in the LOMLOE, the educational law, digital li literacy does have to be taught. Um, and it's all about not just how they can use it for learning, but how to use it properly. Um, how to protect your privacy. How, you know, and this sounds like, um, I don't know, that that I'm maybe hmm, being hypocritical, actually, to be honest, because I am on social media a lot. Um, and maybe I need to take a lesson in digital privacy as well, but making sure our students understand that what they put out there is on the internet. It's out there now. Um, it's there forever, pretty much, unless you can delete it before anyone could see it, but it's there forever. There are things that you won't be proud of on the internet when you get older. I'm just glad that when I was a teenager, there was no Facebook because, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine some of the awful things that, number one, I would have posted on social media. Um, but number two, other people may have posted as well on my behalf. Because um, I did some really stupid things as a teenager. And if I'd had a video 
camera right back then to record them all, I'd be very embarrassed to look back on it. So knowing at that age that it's maybe not the best idea to record everything um, is super important. And if you can get students to use their tools properly in the classroom, you know, if you're in the classroom and you're working on an activity using tools and they don't get distracted by WhatsApp or Insta, then you can help them um, again with their digital literacy also they they will trust you a lot more if you trust them to get their phones out in class and there's so much you can do with a mobile phone do not be don't be a dinosaur with this there are day you don't need it every day you know like everything use it in moderation it's not something you need to go absolutely crazy for but give it a shot trust your students and they'll be able to teach you some things and making video projects and making them on their phones even doing Insta challenges and TikTok challenges with them. Like there's so many things out there they can do. Get them to use it and, and get them to love it. Um, the next one here, and I think this is probably going to be the last one. Um, we might get onto the final one anyway. To not take your home with you. Now, I saw this posted as careless. Now, I don't think anybody should ever care less about what they do. And if you're a teacher, absolutely, you should never care less about your students, about their well-being. Um, it should be something that you're completely focused on. So, no, not care less, but to not take your home with you. Um, not take your work home with you is a, an incredibly difficult thing to do. Um I think this goes for every job, to be honest. Um, but when you get home and you, I don't know, you kind of get there and the first thing you do is you talk to your partner or your or your kids or, or your cat or your, your dog or you bring your best friend and it's, you kind of let everything out and it's all work this and this student did this and that student did that and I can't believe this student's parents hasn't done this and it can really get on top of you and it can lead to burnout now. So um, try and get everything done while you're there because if you get home and you've got exams to mark, if you've got lessons to plan, if you've got all of these different things that you need to do, then the emotional side of things is just going to continue. Um, we're not going to be able to let it go. We're not going to be able to relax at home. Now, a great mindset of having your, your work at work and your home at home. Not always possible, I know. Um, but you know what? Exams don't need to be marked for the next day. So don't mark them for the next day. Um, maybe another idea would be to mark your exams in the classroom with the students. Get them to do it. Get them to actually use it and learn from their mistakes. Why would that be an issue? Why would you not take the exam as a learning opportunity? They don't have to correct their own. They can correct a classmate's. Um, if you know somebody's done particularly bad, or you can do anonymous exams for a start just by numbers. Um, or if you know somebody's not going to do particularly well, you can take theirs first. But get them done out of school. Um, and don't set a whole load of homework Leaving at the end of your scheduled workday unless you have meetings. Absolutely. Um, 
Ah, hi there, Katrina from Stroud. You're mainly learning how to use the app. Excellent. I've seen you've learned how to like the show, which is brilliant. You can also share it, which although, however, right now, Katrina, I'm not sure that would be the best idea because we've only got about five or six minutes left. Um, so uh, because today is a shortened show because we have today is the 5th of January and there is a parade out in the town. Yes, brilliant news. There is a parade where I don't know how there's going to be social distancing. I'll be double masking today, that's for sure. Um, but the three kings drive through the town throwing sweets to onlooking children. Now, um, yeah, getting all bunched up and close to each other has always been what they say is a great idea to do um, when you're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, so I'll be stepping back. It also just, it makes me so sad the amount of waste and rubbish in these things. Like, it's crazy. But kids do absolutely love it. Um, and it's certainly going to give my daughter and I something to do on our afternoon litter pick tomorrow when we get back from visiting the grandparents um, as tomorrow is very much a family day. In fact, I'm already in trouble. Um, I got in trouble today for coming on the radio um, instead of going to the parade. But you know, the longer I can stay away, the better. And I'm sure as yesterday was uh, my 10th anniversary, my wife uh, will forgive me. Um, I certainly hope she does. Uh, but <laughs> um, so tomorrow is, as I mentioned, the Three Kings Day, the Three Wise Men, Los Reyes Magos. Um, and this is traditionally when Spanish people get their presents. Um, they are brought by the Three Kings who, much like Santa, if a child behaves badly, they give them coal. Now they need to rethink this process don't go giving coal to naughty people because there's an increasing population. People are increasingly naughty and disobedient. We all know that. Um, let's blame social media um, and not our own terrible parenting skills. Um, I'm only joking, of course. Um, so why are you giving them coal? It's terrible for the environment, Santa and three wise men. Um, and I don't know what the witch in Italy gives people, but... Um, this needs to be rethought. We need to give something that's a bit more friendly to the environment. Why not give them a reusable bag? Um, or here we go. Here's an idea for you. Here's a water bottle that because you've been naughty all year, you don't get any more Diet Coke. So you have to drink it out of the water bottle. You have to drink only water from the water bottle. Um, that way you'll get healthier as well. So it's a punishment and a prize all at the same time. Um, so we have that lovely day tomorrow, which is fantastic. Do you, How do you celebrate uh, the Three Wise Men Day? Do you take down Christmas decorations? Do you do anything whatsoever? Um, we will also be taking down the decorations, but not on Twelfth Night, which is apparently bad luck to not take it down then in the UK. But here... You can probably leave your things up till March. And that actually reminds me of one time when I uh, I went out for a birthday meal. My birthday is in March, March 24th, uh, if you want to send me any birthday cards, while I was in Vietnam. And they still had their Christmas tree up there and then. And I just thought, you know what? You've got to the stage now when you might as well just leave it up the whole way through. Um, so that has been... 
a day on New Year's resolutions from a man who does not make New Year's resolutions. Um, I don't judge you if you do, though. I think they're a great idea. Just remember, make sure you keep them realistic. You keep them focused. And if you go wrong, you don't punish yourself. Think of some brilliant green ones you can do. Um, try and eat a bit less meat. If you're a meat eater, why not have a meat-free Monday, Tuesday, and, and Wednesday? Um, but again, step by step, don't jump in with both feet. Don't say, I have to be vegan now. Um, but there are so many brilliant options. Uh, if you're about to start a bank account or teach your students who are about to open bank accounts, um, get them to look for the greenest banks um, and not to invest their money in the huge mega banks like Barclays and uh, HSBC because they continue to fund fossil fuels. Um, there's a great resolution if you want to uh, make a green resolution for your classes. Um, don't go paperless, but use less paper. Uh, and you reuse your paper and reuse and reuse. Uh, so yeah, there are a few of my green ideas for in the classroom. Not many. Don't push yourself too far, but try and do a few. And have a focus. Have a green focus. Think about what you've talked about and how that has had an effect on the planet um, and how your students could make a difference. It's very nearly six o'clock. I am going to love you and leave you. I will be back next week. Um, we'll be talking all about plastic clever schools with uh, somebody who recently got the, the British uh, Empire Medal. Uh, she is an educator. She's not a teacher, but she's definitely an educator. And I've learned an awful lot from her. Um, and I continue to do so. And her charity um, is a fantastic one. I'm a huge fan of Kids Against Plastic. So we'll be talking to Amy Meek next week all about plastic clever schools and how you guys can get involved with it. Um, until then, thanks very much. Stick around for Nathan. He's coming up soon. I'll be listening for sure uh, discreetly while I walk along. Um, staying away from people, picking up sweets. Have a lovely one. I haven't said Happy New Year because I don't really know when it stops being weird. When does it stop being weird with you to say Happy New Year? I haven't seen any of you, well, ever in my life, but I haven't seen any of you this year. So Happy New Year. Have a lovely one. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.